The first reading is from Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses. Moses, my servant is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where your sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole introduction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. The second reading today is from the book of John, chapter 16, verses 5 to 33. It's John, chapter 16, verses 5 to 33, and can be found on page 995 of the Pew Bibles. But now I am going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asks me, where are you going? Yet, because I have spoken these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counsellor will not come to you. If I go, he will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. A little while, and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. 
Therefore, some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he tells us? A, A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. They said, what is this he is saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to question him. So he said to them, Are you asking one another about what I said? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. I assure you, you will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. You'll become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will rob you of your joy. In that day, you will not ask me anything. I assure you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not telling you that I will make requests to the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Ah, his disciples said, now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus responded to them, do you now believe? Look, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Here ends the reading. Thanks, Prasanne. It'd be great if you can hold that uh, passage open in John 16. Um, I really love that first reading from Joshua. Uh, it's kind of God's pep talk to Joshua. Uh, be courageous, be strong, and be very courageous. So Joshua's kind of standing on the edge uh, of a dangerous adventure. It's on the edge of the promised land, and God's called him to, to go into this land, uh, lead Israel, and take possession of it. It's not going to be easy, right? There's going to be people in there who, well, they're going to hate Joshua. And to make it even more scary, Moses, the great leader, is dead and gone. It's a dangerous adventure he's heading off on. To be honest, friends, I sometimes feel a little bit like Joshua at that point. You know, following Jesus can be a dangerous adventure as well. It doesn't have to be. 
You can live a pretty tame, innocuous Christian life, sure. But I don't want to. I want to live for Jesus, really, radically. I want to know the joy of following him and and remaining in him and having his words remain in me. I want that. I don't know about you. But if if we are going to live for Jesus in that kind of way, we're going to need courage, just like Joshua needed. Friends, I'm going to be honest with you. I often don't have that courage. I often end up living a pretty lame kind of Christian life. And I know that there's uh, many of us here who are kind of feeling a little bit the same. I was talking to a guy just uh, this week gone who said uh, that he longs to have the courage to speak up for Jesus at work. But he keeps hesitating. Something makes him hesitate. I've spoken with people who long to have the courage to put certain things in their life to the side and just live for Jesus. But something keeps holding them back. I know people here long to have the courage to just face the shape of their life at the moment, what their circumstances are, just face it and get on with it. But it's so hard. Others of us need the courage to to stand up to the dodgy practices at work. But there's fear there holding us back. Well, this evening we meet some disciples who are in a kind of a, a similar boat. They need courage. And so Jesus gives them this pep talk. This is kind of his final speech before he dies. And he's saying to them, be courageous. Because they've got this really dangerous adventure just laying ahead of them just a few days away. They've got to go out into the world and tell the world about Jesus. But this is the world that's about to kill Jesus. And worst of all, they're going to be without their leader. Jesus is going to die. And so kind of like soldiers who've just been briefed on a probable suicide mission, they're feeling a bit uneasy, you know? Verse 6, their hearts are filled with sorrow. So what does Jesus say? What's the content of his pep talk? What does he say to his disciples? And what does he say to you and I? Well, the answer is verse 33, the last five words. I have conquered the world. I'm victorious over the world, says Jesus. That's part, kind of it for tonight, friends. Uh, that's, that's the message, really. The only way you're going to have courage to really live for Jesus is by looking at him and seeing his victory over the world. We're not going to have the courage we need to follow Jesus by looking at ourselves, our own abilities, our own circumstances. That's what the disciples tried to do. They were just thinking about themselves. They didn't want to ask Jesus, you know, where are you going? They weren't interested, just thinking about themselves. And that was a bad place to find courage because they were about to fail. Verse 32, 31 and 32. Courage comes, not when we look at ourselves, but when we look at Jesus. And so in verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me 
you may have peace, the kind of peace that leads to courage. It's in me. Friends, courage comes when we look steadily at Jesus and particularly at his victory over this world. So this evening, I want us to do that. We're going to look at Jesus' victory over this world in four kind of ways, four aspects of his victory. And my prayer is that just maybe just one of those things will kind of grab you and will help you to look at him, see his victory, and then be courageous to live for him. So, first aspect of Jesus' victory. Verses 7 to 11, the world convicted of Jesus' victory. The Spirit is going to convict the world of Jesus' victory. So let's have a look at our passage, verse 7, chapter 16, verse 7. The disciples are feeling kind of sorrowful, but Jesus says, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Why? Well, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Why is that so good? Why is it so good to have the counselor? Read on, verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Friends, this is great news for the disciples. You know, they're about to go out into this world and try to tell them about Jesus, right? This world that's about to kind of nail him to a cross and watch him die. They've got to go out and, you know, say, hey, um, you know that guy you just stuck on a cross? Um, how about worshipping him? You know, it's not, it's not going to go well. You know, maybe if they were, you know, wonderful debaters or articulate orators or excellent salesmen, maybe. But these guys are fishermen. And anyway, the issue is a lot deeper, isn't it? They're not just trying to convince people's heads. They're going to try to convict people's hearts of their sin, of of righteousness, judgment. It's impossible, isn't it? Maybe you feel the same way. That person I sit next to at work, there's no way they're ever going to become a Christian. No way they're ever even going to take Jesus seriously. They're more likely to crack jokes about him. My neighbor, my my friends, they're the most anti-Christian people ever. It's, It's a lost cause. How would my words ever change that? How would my words ever convict their hearts of their sin, that Jesus is righteous, and that there's a judgment coming and then they're on the wrong side of it. How's it going to happen? It's impossible. And then Jesus says, when the counselor comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We can't, friends. We never will. And the sooner we realize that, the better off we're going to be. But the Spirit can and does convict people. Did he convict you? He does that work, doesn't he? How does he do it? Well, chapter 15, verse 27, tells us that the Spirit testifies to Jesus. The Spirit kind of lays Jesus before people. And he does it in such a way that they are inescapably 
convicted of their sin, of his righteousness, and of judgment, that it is coming. And they're on the wrong side of it. Friends, we can't do this work of convicting the world. But be courageous. Because God is having a victory over the hearts of people in this world by his spirit. Be courageous. And speak. Who knows how he might use your words. Well, that's the first aspect of Jesus' victory. He's having a victory. He's convicting hearts in this world. Uh, The second thing I want to draw attention to is verses 12 to 16, the victory of truth. You see, friends, our world is in the dark about God and about the truth. Our world naturally doesn't know God. We sometimes think that we know important people. Have you ever done that thing where you've, um, you've watched this celebrity on TV a bit and you start to think that you know them? Do you know what I mean? You know their character a little bit? And you even start defending them. I've heard, I've heard this happen. People are like, no, Nicole would never say that. I know her. I used to think um, a long time ago that, um, uh, that I knew MacGyver, um, <laughs> even though he's like 25 years older than me. I'd, I always thought, you know, if, if we met, we'd be mates. I, was, I knew MacGyver. Turns out he was a and a womanizer. Did you? Anyway, that's MacGyver. Friends, that's what our world is kind of like with God. We've, sort of, we, we've heard about him. Yeah, I know God, you know. But they don't. We're, our world is in the dark about God. We're just, we're really, we're just guessing about what he's like. It's all guessing. But then Jesus turns up and says, I have conquered this world. I have cut through this darkness to shine a light, to show you God. There's no more guessing. He says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I'm not going to say things just off my own bat. I'm just going to say what I've heard from him. I'm just trying to glorify him. Jesus wasn't like uh, the encyclopedia about God, though. Um, You know, like 50 great facts about MacGyver. Um, When you met Jesus, you met God. You met the truth. And so the disciples uh, didn't know things about God. That's not true. They knew things about God, but they didn't just know things about God, the truth. They actually had a relationship with the truth. They knew the truth like we know a friend. So you can imagine their fear, can't you? Their sorrow. When Jesus says, I'm going away. You're going away? How are we going to know the truth? Not the facts, not, I don't mean the facts, but how are we going to know God? Know the truth. Well, again, that's why this is such great news. Verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He's going to be just like Jesus. Read on. He will not speak on his own, But he will speak whatever he hears, just just as Jesus did. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, because he'll take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. Do you see that progression, friends? 
everything the Father has is mine, the Spirit's going to take from what is mine and declare it to you. You're going to be completely connected to God, directly connected to God by the Spirit. It's great. You're not going to be disconnected from God. You're going to be more connected when Jesus leaves because the truth, God himself, won't just be with you. He'll be in you. You'll know him. And so, friends, let me say, if you trust Jesus, you're not in the dark. You personally know the truth. I don't mean you know all the right answers. I mean, to be honest, I've heard some crazy things said around here. Um, But you've got a relationship with truth himself. He connects you directly with the Father through Jesus. So that as you humble yourself to the Spirit's leading in line with the Scriptures, you're coming to know God better. And you're starting to get a sense of what is really true in this world, in life, in the world, about everything. This might sound really boring to you, friends, but please don't take this for granted. I often do. But did you know the world doesn't have this? The world is in the dark. Your friends, your your work colleagues, they, they might know things about things, but they don't know the truth personally that holds it all together. Brothers and sisters, please don't buy the lie of our world that Jesus is just one of the truths. You know, there are many truths. Isn't that just um, kind of saying that they're just guessing? Oh, you're all right. We're all right. No, we're not. Jesus is the only light into this dark world. He's the only truth. He's overcome the world's guessing and come to live in us. And so, brothers and sisters, be courageous. You're taking part in God's victory, over the, uh, the, his victory of truth. Stand in it. Be courageous. Well, that's the second thing. The third aspect of Jesus' victory is his victory of joy. Verses 19 to 23. Knowing the truth doesn't actually protect us from sorrow and pain, does it? I mean, some of us here, I know, are struggling with painful things. Unemployment, broken relationships, health, mental health, all sorts of things. But read with me of Jesus' promise in verse 22. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will rob you of your joy. When Jesus went to the cross, uh, they wept and wailed. While the world rejoiced, they, they, they thought they'd won the victory as he hung on the cross there. The disciples' hearts were, were filled with sorrow. But here's the promise. Your sorrow will turn to joy. And No one will rob you of that joy. It's a great promise. So when Jesus rose, the sorrow in the disciples' hearts was flooded out by joy. 
And there was no way anyone could ever take that joy away from them again. Why not? Because they couldn't change what had just happened. Jesus had risen. Jesus is alive. He's the king. And brothers and sisters, that's our joy, isn't it? Our king is alive today. And he's coming back. He's going to set things to right. No one can rob us of that joy. When my first son, Ned, was born, I, I bawled, I cried twice. Um, first, because my darling wife was in um, anguish, um, and there was nothing I could do about it. In fact, it was my fault that she was in that position in the first place. So. But second, when this little guy was born, big guy, he was a big baby, when he was born and I was holding him, well, then I bawled again, bawled for joy. I can't say we no longer remembered the suffering because of the joy, but that's how it is for the disciples, right? Suffering, pain, joy. And it's the same for us to a certain extent, isn't it? I mean, we've got a joy that no one's ever going to take from us. No one can take that joy away. And yet, We've got sorrow. You know, we live in a world where Jesus has had the victory. But sometimes it look like, looks like evil is having the victory, doesn't it? When you watch the news or you meet people, it doesn't matter what you... You don't have to look far. We live in a world where, you know, we love our Savior Jesus and the world hates him. There's sorrow in that. We live in a world where we, we sin. And there's sorrow in these things. Sorrow. But friends, Jesus' promise is for us as well. Your sorrow will turn to joy. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And no one will rob you of that joy. How do you know? How can you be sure? Because Jesus rose, that's what your joy is based on. Your joy is as secure as Jesus' resurrection. So brothers and sisters, be courageous. Your joy will have the victory over your sorrow. Well, one of the reasons for this secure joy and our fourth point is that our relationship with God changes because of Jesus' victory. Because of Jesus' victory, we become confident children. So have a look with me at verse 24. Because of Jesus' victory, we can ask confidently. Verse 24, Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. Uh, that sort of promise has kind of come up a few times over the last few weeks, hasn't it? You remember that? Um, and most of the time, the preachers have kind of skipped over it, right? Well, this week, I'm going to disappoint you again. Um, but I am going to try to get at what I think the main point is here. If you've still got questions about this idea, please talk to me afterwards. I've got loads of thoughts. Uh, but I just want to get at this one idea that I think is key here. Uh, I think it's in verse 26 and 27. Have a look at that with me. Verse 26. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not telling you that I will make requests to the Father on your behalf. 
For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Uh, I had this Catholic friend at uni called Joseph. Um, One day I asked, Joe, I've never got it before. Why, Why do Catholics pray to saints? Now, I'm not suggesting he's like an Orthodox Catholic or anything, but what he said to me was, um, well, we pray to the saints, and then they kind of pray for us. It's like they they pass our prayer on, and they're better at it. You know, they had a lot of practice, uh, and they're closer to God. Friends, what Jesus is saying here is, you don't need any saints. In fact, you don't even need me to ask for things on your behalf, you go straight to the Father. You're his children now. He wants to hear from you. Just like I'm his son, you're his children. You've got his ear, just just ask. I was at uh, Woolies with my boys and um, walking around and Ned found this chocolate bar and he said to me, Dad, can you buy this for me? And because I love him, I said no as you should. A little bit later, down a few aisles, we got to the fruit and vegetable section, and he found a piece of fruit, and he said, Dad, can I have one of these? And because I love him, I said, yeah, of course you can. I'll buy you one of them. I love you. But there'd been this other kid who'd kind of been mucking around with my kids, and he grabbed one of them and just looked at me like this. You know? You know what he's saying? That's a bit weird, isn't it? You know? Like my son, sure, you want an apple? Yeah, I'll buy you an apple. This other kid, what? I mean, I could buy it for him, right? I didn't, but I could have. Probably wasn't looking after the general population's health, but anyway, I didn't buy it for him. But that's our relationship with the Father, right? The world out there doesn't have that. They don't kind of have that claim on the Father's ear that we have by grace. We've got that. We've got this kind of almost presumptive ability to come into the throne room of God and, and he'll listen to us. So I've been trying to remember that um, while I've been praying this week. Father, thank you that you answer my prayers. I don't always know how. Thank you that you hear me. Thank you that I can pray with confidence. Please help me to pray the kind of prayers that you'd long to answer with a yes, so that my joy might be complete, as Jesus puts it in verse 24. Friends, I know that doesn't answer all the questions about this prayer thing, but I think that's the key here. That because of the victory of our brother, Jesus the Christ, because of his victory, God is our Father. So be courageous. Ask him things. He answers. So like I said at the beginning, living for Jesus can be a dangerous adventure, like it was for Joshua. What did the Lord say to him? Be courageous. You're going to need courage, Joshua. You're going to need courage, church by the bridge. And what was that courage going to be based on for Joshua? Joshua. Did God say to him, well, Joshua, just think about it, man. You're really quite intelligent. You know, you're a born leader. You're real leadership material. Just work on that. 
Not at all. Friends, don't look at your abilities or your circumstances. They're not going to give you courage. What God said to Joshua was this. I will be with you wherever you go. And I've already given you the victory. I've already given you every place where the sole of your foot treads. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has already won the victory and he is with you wherever you go. His spirit is convicting the hearts of people in this world. His spirit is in you so that you know you're connected to the truth. His joy will ultimately have the victory for he is risen and returning. And now you are his beloved child. So can I urge you, don't look to yourself for courage. Look to Jesus. See his victory. And then go out into this world and live courageously for him this week.